Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today as always by my friend and co-host. He's got one hand in his pocket, the other one's giving a peace sign. It's Micah. Hey, hey, hey. oh man. Uh, Thor, I really wish that I could have a candid conversation with you <laughs> about tossing up a peace sign and smoking some Swisher Sweets. But this is take two because we started recording and after about 10 minutes realized the recording was fucked up and wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, we, we sounded a lot like this. That's basically how we yeah, sounded. Yeah, file got corrupted. That was weird. At least we caught it and didn't do the whole fucking episode. Yeah, yeah, that is nice. Um. Have you ever had anything like that happen with a video game? Like, have you put a lot of time? Remember, remember in the PlayStation era where you had memory cards, and each memory card had like fifteen blocks for information. Uh huh. And did you ever play a game and then just accidentally delete that spot on a memory card? No, not that I can think of off the top of my head. What comes to mind for me is I think it was an issue with the disc or something. Knights of the Old Republic 2. Oh, dude, what a good game Do you that remember was. the bad lady? Mm-hmm. What was her name? The She was, I don't know if she was Sith, but she was. She always had her hood up. And Is that who you're talking about? Yeah. The chick who's on your ship the entire time? Yeah, and then she ends up being like the big bad. Yeah, I don't remember her name. It, basically, it's the fucking final boss of the story. Yeah. And no matter what I could do, the game would skip when it got to her cutscene. It would skip. <laughs> And then would never, and then would freeze, and the game would fucking like would just freeze, and I would have to shut it down and restart. I t- probably tried fifty times. Wow, that's before I realized like it's just not gonna happen. And meanwhile, I'm a teenager. I don't have the money to get a new copy of it. Sure, my parents aren't gonna get me a new copy of it. Couldn't drive. This was before you could download games or yeah. anything. You know, it was. That sucks. Yeah. What a good game that is, too. It's an incredible game. I loved it. Yeah. But the final, like, the final boss fight could never actually do it and actually finish the story because I had a disc that skipped and wouldn't load that part. That sucks. Yeah, it's painful. Did you play the the latest Star Wars game that came out? Um, I don't remember what the name of it is. It's got the redheaded guy from... Yeah, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. It's the shit. Yeah. So a similar thing happened to me with that game. Oh, yeah. You told me about this. Yeah. Where... It, I, I would go to a spot, and, and it was the second time in the storyline that you go to a specific world, and every single time, it would just uh, stall out. I even uninstalled the game, reinstalled it. Same thing happened. So it's something with the save file. Yeah. To this day, I have not played that game again. Whenever that happens and you just invest time into something and then it just gets taken away from you, yeah. uh, it's the most demoralizing thing in the Part world. Part two is coming out soonish, I believe. Yeah, it is. It is. It looks really, really cool. I remember I've got some nephews that are... My oldest nephew is 10 years younger than me. So he's 24 right now. So I was growing up with him... And I was in the midst of Final Fantasy, like disc three, disc four. Oh, God, multiple disc RPGs. Yeah, man, getting into that. And I remember that he, I think, was playing one of my games. I think it was like a Crash Bandicoot game. And he accidentally 
overrode the save spot on that PlayStation card with a Crash Bandicoot game. <laughs> Fucking crap, all the games. <laughs> you needed to save your Crash Bandicoot? Over my fucking squall yeah. right now? It, was it Final Fantasy VIII? It, it was probably eight or nine. Yeah. I was big into nine. Nine's my favorite one. Dude. Fucking Crash Bandicoot. I can tell you that I wasn't on disc one. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. I was I was so upset with him, but he was also like six. So And also he was a cousin, not a brother, so like he was my nephew, he's my sister's kid. Yeah, okay, so you can't be like that mean to him. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Because if it was a little brother, like oh yeah, dude, it's it's on. (laughs) Exactly, it's on. Um. Uh. So with that being said, what are we getting into today? Banshees of Inisherin. Oh yeah. Let's get into it. Hey folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Alrighty, folks, so today we are talking about Banshees of Inishirin, the most recent film from director Martin McDonough, starring... Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson takes place in 1930s, 1920s uh, era. It, yeah, 1923, I believe, is when it takes place because it's happening in the midst of the Irish Civil War. Yes, and it takes place on a fictional island of Inishirin, which uh, on our first recording we discovered was <laughs> is actually a fictional island and the name essentially translate to the island of Ireland. <laughs> But that's neither here nor there. It really bums me that it's not a real place. Yeah. I don't know why. But... Well, and I also saw that there are like three islands with similar names to that. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's a fictional place, but sure, I'm sure there are places that were very similar to that. Yeah, and it's true to the roots of Ireland. Like, it, it obviously it was filmed... They say it was filmed on location. It just means that it's filmed on some fictitious island in the midst of Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was it was filmed in Ireland, from what it sounds like. And Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, these are the main actors. Uh, they're from Ireland. The director's from Ireland. I think everybody in this movie is from Ireland. It is very Irish. Um, and, folks, we are going to get into it. This is still a pretty new movie. If you haven't seen it, you don't want spoilers, stop. Go watch it on HBO Max. And then come on back. Yeah. So the reason that we're getting into this is because we loved In Bruges so much. So this is kind of a new, it's a different thing where we both, Thor was like, oh my gosh, Micah, this movie's coming out. Saying that it's the same director, same group. Um, said when this comes out, we got to watch it. Yeah, because after we did In Bruges, I had never heard of that movie. Or certainly had never seen it. I may have heard of it. And after we saw it, I was like, this is one of my favorite movies now. Oh, it's so good. And then shortly after that recording, I saw a preview for Banshees. And I'm like, we got to do it. We yeah. got to do it for the show. 
Yeah, I don't think I've ever been excited about a movie to the degree that I was because of like the group that the movie comes with. Yeah. So uh, I just love In Bruges. That's a really good one, guys. If you haven't watched In Bruges, you should go watch In Bruges. Uh, I don't know if that's streaming anywhere. That's a little bit older, but it's a solid film. Yeah, it's incredible. And then also, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to us talk about it. Oh, yeah. an episode on it. Yeah. That's why we're doing this one. Yeah. But, yeah, incredible movie in Bruges. And so, once again, we got the same, kind of the same core cast and the same writer-director. We get Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, and also, once again, it's almost like the story is about the relationship between these two characters. Yeah. These two actors, the characters these actors are playing. Yeah, absolutely. It So this Inishirin is a very, very small place. It's like a farm town in the mid-1800s. Colin Farrell's character is this guy named Padrick. Um, and if you pronounce it with a thick Irish accent, it's Padrick. And um, then he's got a sister who... Her name is, I'm pretty sure it was Siobhan, is how they pronounced it. Yeah, I. it sounded like Siobhan when they said it. Yeah. Um, so that's his sister, and then Brendan Gleeson plays his one-time best friend, uh, Colm. It's C-O-L-M, but they kind of pronounced it like Colm. 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 Um, again, very Irish film. And at one point in time, these guys were best friends. Evidently went to the pub all the time together. Yeah, like every day at three, they would go to the pub together. Yeah, but the movie starts out, and he, Colin Farrell, is going to get Brendan Gleeson and go to the pub. And Brendan Gleeson, Colin, is just hanging out in his house, listening to music, not answering the door. <laughs> and and um, this movie is one where it's it's very... The dialect is such that if you're not from Ireland or not familiar with Irish dialect, may, this might be kind of hard to follow. I, we watched it with subtitles. I, for me, it, it helped me retain a lot of what was being said. Yeah. Okay. Because if not, you're, A, you're first struggling just to kind of understand them through their accent. They don't tone down the accents at all. Yeah. Which is fine. Sure. I, I appreciate that. But then on top of that, it's kind of Irish jargon as well as its dated Irish jargon. It's intentionally meant to sound like if you are in a small town in Ireland, so you're you're fighting through multiple layers trying to fully understand what they're saying. You know, so I think subtitles is, that's what we are getting at, is I think it's a good idea because it really helps you make sure you, you're following the plot and what's going on. Otherwise, you're definitely going to be missing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of terms right off the bat when Colin Farrell goes to. I'm just going to use their actual names for this. I don't want to get confused. Okay. (laughs) So when Colin Farrell goes to get Brendan Gleeson's character and he's not paying attention, he's purposely ignoring him. Um, Colin Farrell just goes to the pub and he sits down and he's like, Oh, is Colin with you? The bartender says that and he's like, No, he's just sitting, listening to music. And they ask, are you two rowing? And he goes, no, we're not rowing. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? What is? <laughs> yeah. Basically ro- they're beefing. Yeah. Yeah. So the baby uh, beefing. Yeah, exactly. Like they've got a dispute amongst them. And the whole crux of the movie is that Brendan Gleeson's character has just decided overnight on a whim. He no longer likes his best friend. Yep. He, he tells him, he's like, I don't want to be friends no more. 
Yeah, and the movie kind of then, uh, it starts taking some interesting turns. Would you say that this is a, a comedy movie? Because that's kind of how it was pitched, would be like a dark comedy. Yeah, absolutely. This yeah. movie's fucking hilarious. There are some really but funny parts. It's And once again, I love, I have become a Martin McDonough fanboy. This show has changed me <laughs> in, in good ways in that, like, first I discovered... In Bruges is one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. And then I rediscovered my love for Swiss Army Man. And then I saw we watched Everything Everywhere all at once. And I'm like, okay, now I'm in the Daniels fan club. Yep. Yep. They can do no wrong. And I am, I love Martin McDonough. This guy is, and without this show, I probably never would have discovered how much I love this guy. His writing is so interesting because i i struggle to even call it a dark comedy it is but it's not there is no comedy in this movie right i mean in bruges kind of has some genuine it's kind of meant to be funny stuff yeah this is not funny at all and that's what makes it so funny is the way they play this it's just the actual things they say Mm -hmm. or the situations they find themselves in are so absurd. That's what's funny about it. Yeah. And it kind of rises and culminates from nothing. Like the, the, the dispute between them grows more and more as the movie goes on. And it starts because he just decides he doesn't want to be his friend anymore. Yeah. And basically he's like, cause you're dull. Yeah. He's like you're dull. You're boring. Yeah. And Here's the thing is I want to be, I want to leave a legacy. I'm writing this piece of music on the violin. And if I'm going to do that, I can't be wasting time with you just talking at me all dull like as you are. (laughs) (laughs) Basically like you're boring as shit and I want to do something with my life that means something. Yeah. You're prohibiting me from doing that. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. He's got this kind of, I don't know if I'd call it a midlife crisis, but he just became, he at some point, Brendan Gleeson becomes aware of his finite existence and realizing that he's an older man and he's not getting any younger. He doesn't want to spend his remaining years just going to the pub and not doing anything with the rest of his life. And he feels like having that friendship with Colin Farrell's character is going to prevent him from making something of himself. So there's a line that I thought was pretty interesting. He said, uh, when they're in the midst of fighting, he says, look, today I woke up and I wrote part one of this song. And tomorrow I'm going to write part two. And then the day after that, I'm going to write part three. And at that point, there's going to be something that exists in this world that would not have existed if we'd stay friends. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. And of course, Colin Farrell's character is kind of having a tough time with it. He's just not recognizing the severity of it. He's And why would you, right? Like if, if you've got a best friend and then you go say hi and they're like, no, nah, I don't like you anymore. Yeah. And because Colin Farrell plays such an interesting character because everybody just says, Parik, he's nice. Yeah, that's the the this running thread is he's a nice guy, mm-hmm. but really he doesn't have anything going on. He lives with his sister. He's a goat farmer. He essentially sells goat milk, and he's happy to just live his life. He's just yeah. kind of a dumb happy guy. And yeah, he's not quite the village idiot, not quite. But 
Yeah, he is. A, I mean, the whole village is a, is a simpler village. It's a simpler time. Yeah. But he's very happy with the life. Mm-hmm. And so that's really that that crux of that argument is Brendan. Like you said, Brendan Gleeson wakes up and realizes he's not fulfilled mm-hmm. with his life. Yeah. And Park is. And he's just a nice guy and he's just happy to be there. Yeah. <laughs> he's just happy to be there. And it, he plays such an interesting character because it's almost like everybody is just taking a shit on him. And he's like, why? Life is like, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with my life. I'm content. And also, this is a small island. There's not a lot of people. He's basically alone. He lives with his sister. And they kind of have this weird relationship where, like, they're best friends they're like each other's only friends really yeah outside of Colm. yeah and and so when he says i don't want to be friends anymore it's like there's not much that he has left beyond that yeah, yeah. all he has is his goat jenny <laughs> it's his, like his, his his little miniature donkey his miniature donkey yeah, yeah. has become his new best friend and it just it kind of drives him crazy because he's like why doesn't he want to be friends anymore yeah did you think that it was weird did you notice that i mean so he and his sister sleep in the same room. Yeah. And I like I guess maybe that's part of the time. You know, I guess houses weren't I don't know, as large as what they are now. Yeah. Like you don't have the space. That still struck me as a little odd. Yeah, I do cuz they're basically like a married couple, but they're brother and sister. Yeah. Now there's no romantic uh chemistry or anything like that between them like they are strictly brother and sister there's nothing weird yeah, going on there's in the movie. not really a lot of options on in <laughs> yeah not really um in there's fact, like this crazy like 90 year old lady who's some kind of weird nutbag soothsayer she is strange. and yeah i'm pretty sure that's the only two female characters on the island there was the um the the shopkeep woman she was she's not from the island though. oh okay okay yeah i think you're right um, yeah, I think that that's all that we really saw for the most part, female character wise. Yeah. So they're kind of, they're a married couple essentially. And it, 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 so I think it's, that is meant to be kind of a weird relationship. I, I think he wanted to highlight that they sleep in the same room. They have different beds, but they sleep in the same room. She cooks and cleans and takes care of the house. She and, takes on those roles. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the classic roles that, a a a wife would take they're very much a husband and wife but it's his sister yeah in like 1920s roles um you think he's fucking those farm animals i that's the one thing i just couldn't (laughs) stop thinking about there's no other women there's no women on this island really except for his sister yeah and i honestly thought there was going to be like some weird incest stuff going on at the beginning because i was like she's the only woman here and she's the most attractive woman on the island. yeah she is very good looking Yeah. yeah and and then once I realized, like, oh, it's definitely not that. They definitely have that, ro- that uh, like husband and wife dynamic. But it's de- it, he didn't try to take it in like a weird place with that. So that's all I could keep thinking. The whole movie is like, all of these guys on this island, their sheets must be stuck together <laughs> and as hard as a rock, like that, or they're fucking the farm animals because, like, well, and it makes you think because like, as happy as he is, how can you be that happy? Yeah. And be backed up for just years. <laughs> just years. It doesn't make sense. Um, 
Sure. Yeah, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and on the flip side of that, I think that it's very interesting that his sister isn't married or doesn't have a romantic partner at all. Like nothing. There's no romance happening on this island at all, anywhere. She's really the only eligible uh, person, woman that we've seen in the movie. And I don't know. It just... So something's going on there. Anyway, um, so at, at one point, it starts to get really, really strange. Like, there were a couple moments where I was like, holy shit, watching this. And you can probably guess what the first time was <laughs> with that. Because um, Colin Farrell's character, again, he, he's having a tough time coming to grips with his best friend, not wanting to be his friend anymore. He's like, did I offend you in any way? You know, I'm really sorry if I did. Um, did I do anything at all? And he goes, nope, you didn't offend me. Everything's fine. You didn't do anything. I just don't want to be your friend anymore. And he's like, what? He goes, I don't particularly like you anymore. He goes, but you do like me. He goes, (laughs) no, no, I don't like you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He just decides he doesn't like him. Yeah. And then there's a scene where he, um, goes to the calendar in their house and he, he realizes as he's Xing the days off that, this was given he was given this information on April Fool's Day. And so he thinks, oh, it's just an April Fool's prank. And then he goes to talk to him again. And I thought that it was a pretty interesting moment because in that Brennan Gleason just he kind of had this body language like he was biting his tongue, like he was biting his hand, but he wasn't responding to any of that. Like if I respond to anything that he says he's going to think that it was an April Fool's Yeah, because basically Park comes up to him and he's like, that was very funny what you did there. Yeah. Very funny. Yeah. But then, yeah, I know exactly what you're about to say. Then Brendan Gleeson's like, look, it wasn't a joke. And to show you how serious I am, if you talk to me again, he's like, we need to be done. I didn't handle it right yesterday. I'm sorry. It wasn't a joke, though. I don't want to be friends anymore. And if you keep talking to me, Every time you talk to me, I'm going to cut one of my fingers off. Yeah, I'm going to cut one of my fingers off. This guy's a violin player. Mm-hmm. So without doing a play-by-play of the movie, guess what? He talks to him again. And Brennan Gleeson, so it, the scene is that they're ta- um, that Colin Farrell and his sister are talking to each other in their house. And you just hear this, this thud at the door. And Colin Farrell opens the door. And you see Brennan Gleeson's character walking away like he's already halfway down the freaking yard. And they look at the door and there's a blood splatter. And then he looks down and it's his fucking finger. It's his fucking finger. It's his fucking finger. Another thing, they they use the F word with an E. Yeah, they say feckin'. Feckin'. Yeah. Every time. And on the subtitles, it's spelled feckin'. Feckin'. <laughs> It's so god. It's so annoying. Like I get you're trying to be. Maybe that is period accurate for maybe. them, or maybe that's how Irish people. But come on, come on. That was very fr- annoying. Uh, but yeah, so he cuts his finger off. Yeah, and it's not okay. If you were a violin player and you made that threat and you wanted to make good on that threat to cut one of your fingers off, would you choose your index finger? No, that's the first thing me and Kendra said, too. Why wouldn't you go with the pinky? Yeah. You gotta go with the pinky, Jerry. You can't do the index. <laughs> what's what's he gonna do with no freaking index finger on, 
I don't remember. I think it was it was the hand that it was his left hand, the one that he essentially fingers the strings with. Yeah, yeah, wild. Like I'm I'm no fiddle player, all right, but I've taken a dabble at guitar and bass. I use my index finger you need quite the a index. bit. Yeah, um, it's just wild that that's the one that he picked. <laughs> well, and I love because at this point everybody had been telling him like, dude, you gotta stop talking to him. Leave him alone. He doesn't want anything to do with you. And Colin Farrell is just like not getting the message. Yeah. So, and I thought that was a very cool way there. He's like, you say you're my friend, but like, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And, and so if you keep talking to me, I'm going to hurt myself. So if you want to hurt me, come talk to me. Like giving a physical representation of when you talk to me, I'm trying to accomplish something Yeah. and I can't talk to you anymore. So by you wasting my time coming to me it's hurting me and so i'm going to give you a physical representation because he knows he's a violin player Mm -hmm. he knows he needs his fingers (laughs) and so he just didn't think he'd make good on the promise and though he proved he did i love though after that him and siobhan his sister are sitting having dinner at the table and he has let the little miniature pony in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which she is upset about, but he's like, you can't tell me to kick my pony out when my best friend just chopped his finger off. <laughs> and then she's sitting there talking to him, explaining like, see, he's serious. You have to stop talking to him now. You have to stop talking to him. Yeah. And this, this hilarious thing where it just doesn't even get through to him because she just, he, you know, she's explaining to him why he's, why he needs to let it, this go. Mm-hmm. And that at this point it's gone on too long. It's crazy. And he just looks there and he says, when I'm done eating, I'm going to return it to him. <laughs> and she's like, what? You? He just cut his finger off because you talked to him. You're not going to take his finger back to him. Yeah. And she's like, fine, I'll take it. Yeah. She's she's very much a um, like the middle person in a lot of this. Dude, honestly, she's my favorite part of this movie. She's pretty great. I, I love Brendan Gleeson. I love Colin Farrell. Yeah. I love all the performances in this movie. I think they're great, mm-hmm. but far and away, hers was my favorite. She's my favorite character. I loved her. So she takes the finger back to him. And this is my probably my favorite scene in the movie. Hmm. Is she has she takes the finger back to Colm. Yeah. So that Colm doesn't self-mutilate himself again. Anymore, yeah. And she's like, here, look, I'll make sure he's not bothering you anymore. Once again, take because she's kind of responsible for cleaning up his mess constantly. Once again, she's his wife without any benefits. It's his, it's her brother. You know what? You, yeah. I'm not trying yeah, yeah, to be yeah. gross. I'm just saying, like, yeah. she's essentially married to this guy, but it's not a romantic connection. She's like, he's literally her ball and chain. Yeah. And so, once again, Colm, Brendan Gleason's character, starts telling her, look, I just... I need to do something great, and he's boring. He's dull. I can't be around him. And she has this moment where she freaks out, and she's like, you're all fucking dull. You're all boring. All you stupid men on this goddamn island. You all argue and find things to be mad about and fight about, and you're not doing anything great. (laughs) And he, he just looks at her kind of stunned, but she just... I love it when she just loses it on him. And that's when you really see 
what's going on in her head and how she feels. She's like, you all are miserable old flocks in this island. And you're just being petty and you're being stupid. Yeah. She's she's like, but I'll keep him away from you. Yeah. Because she kind of seems, she kind of makes the, I don't don't know. To her, she's, it seems like she's of the mindset that the only reason that this is even an issue is because there's nothing to do on this island. Like they're just causing uh, drama to cause drama. Yeah. Right. And it's all for a, such a dumb reason, in her opinion. The dude cut his feckin' finger off. It's ridiculous to me. It really It's very, it's absurd. Yeah. Um, there's another character that I wanted to touch. It's actually two characters. Two other characters that I really wanted to touch base on. Sure, yeah. Um, one of them is, uh, I forget. Dominic? Yeah, Dominic. What did you think about Dominic? He's played by Barry Keoghan. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Um, <laughs> I loved him. So here's the thing about In Bruges is really it's just Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. There are other characters and they're good, but mm-hmm. primarily, oh, and uh, the guy who plays Voldemort. Ralph Phineas. So I feel like there was a larger, it was more of an ensemble cast in this one. Yeah. It's not like a huge cast, but yeah, there's more yeah. for sure. So. Also, yeah, also the guy who plays Dominic, his name is Barry, whatever. Barry Cogan. Also and Irish. Plays a young a young guy, and essentially he's the son of the local police officer. Yeah, and Barry Cogan as an as an actor, um, have you seen him before? He looked very familiar. What do I know him from? Is it Peaky Blinders? Uh I don't think it's Peaky Blinders. No, I could he'd be great in that though. Man. Um so he was did you see the Eternals? Yes. He was the he was one of the Eternals that he was the one that could uh He was Druid. Yes. Yeah, he was Druid. Okay. All right. And he was in the latest Batman movie with with Mr. Edward Cullen himself. Who was he in Batman? The Joker. Wait, he was Joker? Yep. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, that's right. Paul Dano was was Riddler. Riddler. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So the scene where Riddler is talking with the Joker in the cells, that's him. He's the Joker. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. yeah I love this kid's performance. I love it because, and his whole thing is he's the son of the local police officer, and his dad kicks the shit out of him. He's kind of a bad kid, and he, and he's the one they're like, no. When Park asks Siobhan, like. Does everybody, do people talk about me? Do they think I'm dumb? Am I the idiot on this island? And she's like, no, we all know Dominic's the idiot. Yeah. (laughs) There's, there's some, there's an interesting conversation though. She's like by far and above. He's the, he's the, uh, the idiot essentially. Yeah. He's the, what was the word that they used? Um, was it like a gob? Jackass or gob. Oh yeah. Gob. That's what they called somebody who was stupid. Yeah. It's like by far and away. And he's like, what do you mean by far and away? What about who's number two? Like, are you saying that I'm number two? <laughs> Which she basically was. Yeah, yeah, and she's like, that's not how I rank people. That's not how I judge people on this island. Yeah, like, she's like, ones? I don't rank people like that. But yeah, so Dominic's number one. And yeah. really, he's just a young guy who's yeah. kind of, he gets into shenanigans. He's a bit of a hooligan. Yeah. He steals his dad's liquor, but his dad is a police officer and like the police officer in the area. And just kicks the shit out of him. So he ends up staying with uh, Siobhan and Parek for a little bit. 
they let him come stay with them yeah they stay for he stays for one night yeah um because his dad beat the crap out of him and colin farrell's character and him they kind of go off and have a drink together sitting on a you know on a um like a roadside path type of thing yeah because essentially uh colin farrell's character is just trying to find somebody to talk to since he can't talk to his best friend anymore yeah and dominic doesn't really have any friends everybody's kind of like thinks he's a everybody's kind of a dick to him because he's young he's dumb you know he's just not he's not very likable no and and i kind of i do feel for him a little bit so so they have this neat thing where they both kind of need something from each other and they make dominic wants to be dominic wants to take wants to take colm's place and become his new best friend and he's trying to make it happen yeah and Real obviously. Like, yeah, too. and Park doesn't actually want that, but he's like, hey, at least it's somebody who will hang out and talk to me. Yeah. there, You know that it's awkward, and you've met people like this that go, this was an, a, a verbatim quote. Uh, Dominic goes, well, I'll tell you this. We sure are good at making small talk, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like You've met somebody like that before. Mm-hmm. And you just go, oh, man, we're not, and we're not that close, dude. But that's the character of Dominic. That's what he is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's even another time where he decides to ask Siobhan out. Yeah, because she is she's a she is a beautiful woman. Yeah. But probably in her her and uh Colin Farrell, I don't know how old they are, but they're playing characters probably in their late thirties, early forties, would be my guess. Yeah, I might even guess a little bit older, personally. Yeah. But. And Dominic is a young guy, probably early 20s. Yeah. And so when he comes to stay with them, he, he kind of makes, like, a weird comment. He's trying—it's like he's trying to, like, pull the pigtails. You kind of see this develop—he has a bit of a crush on her. He's like, so why haven't you ever got married? Yeah. And she gets offended and goes to bed. <laughs> it's and none of and your she's very, business. She's very mean to him throughout yeah. the whole movie. She's, like, very mean to him. Yeah. Because— He's a young, dumb kid. Yep. And she's a grown woman. Yeah. But, yeah, you get to this scene where he comes and essentially, like, stammers through trying to, like, would would you ever think, like, maybe we could, you know, be get married? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, and then I love that scene, too. That scene is incredible because he does such a great job of playing this awkward kind of dumb kid Mm -hmm. trying to ask out this girl that he likes yeah and then now where she's been mean to him and been mad at him that's generally her emotions towards him is mad she realizes oh he has a crush on me Mm -hmm. and then she feels bad yeah and she's like i no i'm older i'm too old for you yeah and then he goes says the sweetest thing he's like well what about when i'm older yeah. when i'm older like you mm-hmm. and then she's like still probably no <laughs> and, and then it's so oh my god that seems so good and then he's like yeah i i kind of i figured but i i, I figured what's the harm? i had to ask what's the harm in asking he's so embarrassed and ashamed yeah and walks away he even, he even like looks around and again there's nothing around them it's just farmland all around him he's like well i'm gonna i'm gonna go over there now <laughs> <laughs> he's just, yeah she's just standing down by the river yeah 
And oh my god, that scene is so good. Yeah. Once again, talk about like a incredible performance between two characters, yeah. and neither one of them are Brandon Gleason or Colin Farrell. Yeah, the acting in this movie is pretty solid all the way around. So good. Um, so the movie kind of continues, and was it when Shaban comes back to Brandon Gleason's character, Calm? Was that the time where Calm says, "Look, if he comes and talks to me again, I'm cutting off." all of my fingers that are left on that hand. He goes, I'm not just going to do one. I'm doing all of them next time. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's exact. He may have said that to, uh, to park. I'm not sure because essentially after that, he does give him his distance for a bit. Yeah. He, he finally gets it and he tries actually giving him his distance. Yeah. You get that beautiful scene where <laughs> he goes into town and, the lady where who he sells his milk to is always looking for gossip. She's looking for All some hot gossip. It's so fun. It's very funny character. She's <laughs> like, you never have any news, any good news. And the cop comes in and she's like, oh, the, the officer, he always has good news. So now Colin Farrell's character is feeling like slighted. Yeah. So he's like, here, I got some good news. The police officer's son is staying with me because he beat the hell out of his son with a tea kettle. Yeah, and, and how's poli- that for some good news? And the police officer's right next to him when he says this. Yeah, <laughs> and the woman goes, "That's not news. Hey, he's, he's just a bad. He's kid. a badass kid, of course." <laughs> and so then he walks out, and the cop just punches the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah. And so then Brendan Gleason's character happens to be coming in. He sees it. He helps him back up on his wagon mm-hmm. and drives the wagon for him up yeah. until. And Colin Farrell's character just, neither of them is saying anything and he knows he can't talk to him. He just starts like weeping. Yeah. And then Colm stops the, stops the, uh, the carriage at, at his road and gets off and walks away. Yep. Without looking back. Yeah. It was a that was a cool moment for me because I felt it was a good way to illustrate that he still cares about him as a friend. Like he still does care about him. Yeah. Um but he's sticking to this this idea that he has and that's what he's holding on to. Like he's staying steadfast in that. Yeah, essentially he's he's a man of principle. Yeah. He said this is what I said, I'm a man of my word. Yeah. Um, but shortly after that, uh, Parik gets real, real drunk, like blackout <laughs> drunk, and confronts him at the bar. Yeah, because he sees him with the police officer. And the police officer, we've already established as a piece of shit. So he sees him and he's thinking, why is he okay talking to him? Yeah, because the police officer's, officer is chatting up calm, like, we're buddies now. Yeah. And... He goes and he just tells him off, drunk like. Um, and when that happens, when he when he starts drinking, uh, the bartender, who by the way, unsung hero in this movie, I <laughs> very, love the bartender. Very funny. Oh my yeah. gosh, the guy's hysterical. Um, there, there's a scene where him and a, another patron of the bar keep doing this thing where they just keep saying the same thing the other person <laughs> yeah. said, and they take turns doing it back and forth. Yeah. I love that scene. Very yeah. funny. So so the bartender tells Dominic, like, look, you need to go get Siobhan right now. And so he books it. He runs it back to their house. 
um, to get Shaban. So she then comes running back because they're thinking that a fight's going to break loose. And ultimately, it just comes down to Colin Farrell's character just going like, you want to be remembered? Your stupid music? You got Beethoven? He goes, I don't know who Beethoven is. So there's that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, you used to be nice. You used to be nice. My sister's nice. I'm nice. You used to be a nice guy. Then he's he just goes, you know, maybe you never were nice. And that's really all that comes of it. He just kind of tells him off. And uh, yeah. Well, and I like they both stand their ground, too, because he's like, you were nice. My sister is nice. And he's like, people don't remember how many people in history were nice. And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, exactly. Yeah. But people remember music. They remember things that people left. I'm yeah. creating something that people will remember. And he goes, well, I re- I'll, when my sister is dead, I will remember her. Yeah. And thinking that, like, oh, I just got the final word in. <laughs> but then Colm goes, but then when you die, no one will remember. I, I, I like that scene because they're both, at this point, they have both now said their piece and they're both standing their ground and that's the important part because then when he walks out calm goes that's i think that's the most interesting he's ever been yeah i kind of like him i kind of like him again (laughs) yeah but i mean as the movie goes on he uh colin farrell's character goes from Padraig goes from a very meek person and he becomes more confrontational as the movie goes on. yeah because dominic tells him what calm said yeah he says, hey, he kind of liked you. So now he has it in his head, well, if I'm confrontational, maybe that's how I get him to like me again. Yeah. So he goes back and talks to him while he's standing at the beach because Calm just likes to stand on the beach or on the shore and watch the tide come in. And he goes, look, I'm not coming to talk. I just wanted to say that I'm sorry about last night. If I said anything, did anything dumb. Calm doesn't really have a response to it. But then... Later, pretty shortly after, he goes to his house and he pulls out. He, he cut his finger well, off. Well, no, he remember he goes to uh, Colm's house and he gets drunk again and goes into Colm and just kicks in the door. And oh, sits that's down right. He does like, do that, and it's just kind of like being a drunk asshole because yeah. he's like, "Oh, this is what he likes. I need to nag him." Essentially, that's right. Yeah, he does. Do <laughs> he's that. trying to pick up artists. This guy, I'm gonna <laughs> nag him into liking me. Yeah, but, and then goes back, and then he's like, "So I'll meet you up at the bar at three because he thinks I've I've figured it out. The mm-hmm. beef is squashed now. We're not rowing anymore." And right. so while he's sitting at the bar. Yeah, because Colm tells him, he goes, yeah, sure, go ahead and go. I'll be there. But little does he know what's happening is Colm is chopping all four of his other fingers off. Yeah. So he's just got a freaking tree stub for for a hand now. Wild. And it it goes in. He goes in. He does the same exact same thing. He throws all fingers at the door. Just baseball pitches them. Yeah. Um, just thump, thump, thump. Thump. Uh, and and through a lot of this, you see a lot of travel in this movie. Mm-hmm. And through the whole thing, uh, Colin Farrell's got his donkey with him. Jenny is the name of the donkey. It's a miniature donkey. Yeah, it's like his best friend it outside really, of cold. It really is. Um, and even when he goes to the pub, he'll take the donkey with him to the pub and tie the donkey up outside. Yeah. 
There was kind of a, an interesting scene where he goes and ties the donkey up, and then the camera pans down, and you saw that Colm's dog was there as well, and I thought that uh-huh. that, was, that yeah. was kind of a neat, uh, a neat little scene. But, yeah, dude, he cuts his fingers off, like all four of them. What? Like, and then you get the real, the biggest twist of the movie. The donkey eats the finger yeah. and dies. Tries yep. eating the finger, chokes on it, and dies. Yeah, so his sister decides, she ends up getting a job opportunity off the island as a librarian yeah, She's somewhere. like, I gotta get the fuck out of this stupid island with these <laughs> stupid men. Yeah, so, call, uh, I'm sorry, Podrick is sending her off, basically. He's waving goodbye, and he comes back, and his donkey's dead. Yep. So his sister left, which he is heartbroken about. Mm-hmm. He comes back. His donkey is dead. Which he's heartbroken it, about. Which, yeah, because it ate one of the fingers from the guy who was his best friend who refuses to be his friend anymore. Yeah, which he's also heartbroken about. I found it really sad because the next scene... This movie is fucking tragic. It really is. The next scene is him in his house with his donkey on his lap. He's yeah. just holding it. Dude, it's so sad. Yeah. That's pet love is real, man. Oh yeah, for pet sure. Pet love is real. Yeah. And so yeah, that that scene was even if it's a fucking miniature donkey, it's still sad, so sad. Well, it's, it'd be like if somebody killed your dog by accident. Like that would yeah. that would definitely t- play a you know it would play yeah. with your mind. Well, and-, and then I love the next scene because now he's like, I'm gonna go to the bar. Dude. So now he goes into the bar and Combs shows him his hand and he's like no you don't need to apologize you don't need to say it's fine because he had finished his song yeah so he had accomplished his goal he's like you don't need to apologize and Podrick kind of just cuts him off and he's like my donkey's dead because of your pudgy little fingers yeah (laughs) yeah because calm and kind of takes the breath out of takes the breath out of uh calm yeah because with calm i think to his credit is not trying to be angry. It's not like he's being... He just wants to be left alone Yeah. through this whole thing. So he's not being a dick other than he's just being stern and saying, I don't want to be your friend. Mm-hmm. But he's still really nice to his sister. You know, he asks his sister for if she wants to sit down and have a cup of tea when, he, when she brings his finger to him. And so he doesn't have any ill will towards towards anybody really so he legitimately feels bad about the donkey dying to the degree that so he apologizes about it and colin farrell's character just his switch is flipped yeah no he has been fully driven into being the villain for sure he's like if there's nobody left to love me there's nobody left to be nice to that's it so tell you what, buddy, two o'clock tomorrow, I'm burning your house down. And I'm not going to check to see if you're in it. Yep. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm doing it unless you stop me. He's like, so it's happening at two o'clock. It'll be you or me. Yeah. Yeah. He basically. <laughs> or you can just sit there and take it. Yeah. He essentially declares that forever now and always they are enemies at this yeah. point on. <laughs> Hell hath no fury like a man who lost his donkey. <laughs> it's miniature donkey. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And then that's what he does. The next a, day yeah. at two o'clock, he goes and he fucking burns that. Oh, and he's like, hey, I don't want to hurt your dog. So make sure your dog's not in the house because I'm 
burning it down. Yeah. And so he goes and he, he that's it. He just throws all the gasoline on it or, you know, whatever lighting fluid yeah. they, they have. And just throws a bunch of lumber next to it, lights it, and he's watching. And then he looks inside. He does look inside afterwards. And Brennan Gleason is sitting in there. Just sitting in there. Yep. He's just sitting. And um, the dog is outside. And to his credit, Podrick takes the dog home. Yeah. So, because he, he figures if Brennan Gleason's not moving, if he's just sitting in there, then he's just dying. Yeah. And then the next day he goes back and the window's busted out. And mm-hmm. Brendan Gleason is standing there on the beach. I guess he didn't, you know, he didn't have the nerve to actually stay in the house. Yeah. He decided he didn't want to burn to death. Yeah. Go figure. But uh. and, and I think initially he planned on, because I think in the same way that he was like, me cutting my fingers off will finally make the point and get him. When the donkey died, he realized what he had done to somebody. That, yeah. Like, yeah, even though he was trying to just, I just don't want to be friends. And he was trying to be respectable about it. Yeah. What he did was an awful thing to do to a person. Yeah. To your best friend to just say, we're not friends anymore. Don't talk to me. And so then he got it. So I think he was just sitting in the house like, I deserve this. I killed his donkey. I fucked him in the head. It's all on me. And so he planned, I think, on sitting there and dying. Yeah. Couldn't go through with it. And so the next morning, Colin Farrell walks down to him. Now you have this beautiful switch where Colm tries to strike up a conversation with him. Yeah, he starts talking about the weather. Yeah, and the war. Oh, it was the war? Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's like, yeah, there's not as many shots going on today. You think it's winding down? And... And it is winding down yeah. at that time. Uh, the Irish War, look, like just doing some research in it. I think that it ended around like the end of May. And okay. the majority of the movie takes place in the month of April. Okay. And uh, Padraig kind of plays along a little bit. He talks to him a little bit. And he's like, well, thank you for taking care of my dog. He's like, yeah, no problem. And then there's this moment where essentially... We're, we're essentially now... Uh, I forget exactly the dialogue or how it was worded, but Colm has now now leaves the door open for like. Oh yeah, he says, "I guess that makes us even." You know, um, I killed your donkey. You burned my house down. And he goes, "No, no, we'd we'd be even if you burned my house down." And he goes, "We're not even." <laughs> He's like, like, yeah. He essentially he now like he is laid down on on uh Colm's character like no we are enemies yeah forever blood feud <laughs> basically yeah and he he makes this interesting comparison and cuz when um when Colm tries to talk about the war Padrick responds and says you know there are just some things that are never going to change and they're going to keep fighting and i think that that's a good thing and he just stares yeah, him down. Yeah, that's what it is. He's like, I think it's a good thing that some yeah. wars never end. Yeah. And so, oh, and we had talked about this a little bit. This is what I was talking about when the other recording had got cut off. It's like, I'm not sure if the war is meant to be a metaphor for their friendship ending or if their friendship ending is supposed to be a metaphor for the Irish Civil War or some combination of both. Yeah, I think the. It definitely is from 
I think that it was a metaphorical, and, and maybe not like not that they're trying to make a statement about the Irish War or anything like that, but yeah. they're definitely putting a comparison to the two of them and the two sides of the Irish War. Because the Irish War, again, they were like, boom, we want our independence. Yeah. But then the IRA is like, well, but we're still part of the British colonies. And that's not okay. So we're blood feuding. And then... Yeah. <laughs> so there, there is this... to my understanding that that is still going on. Because there is... There's two parts. There's Northern Ireland, and yeah. then there's Ireland. Yeah, I think that the wars continued in Northern Ireland later, as, like as time goes on. Um, that initial civil war, I think, was done in May. But yeah, I think like a year later. Yeah, war... well, no, and I'm still to this day. Yeah, I think that yeah, you're right. Still to this day, the two sides are. I mean, I don't think they're actively at war. Maybe they don't like each I, other. And I'm I could be wrong, but I know there's certainly still tension there because there is Ireland and then there's Northern Ireland. Yeah. So I believe, I mean, it's like this never, and so maybe it is meant to be like a metaphor for this, this, uh, they decided they weren't going to be friends and it's never going to end. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can see the connection there. Um, like I said, I'm not knowledgeable enough to really have an honest opinion on that. Yeah. I'm not either. Um, like I said, just for me actually watching the movie and not being super knowledgeable on it, I couldn't tell if it was on the nose or if it was clunky or if it was neat or if they, <laughs> they were just meant to kind of mirror each other in a unique way. I don't know. Yeah. So, so everything that we just described sounds pretty feckin' depressing to me. Um, and I think that this movie got more sad as it went on. I think that it, <laughs> it just got sadder and sadder. The story is tragic. Yeah. But that's the only word I can use for this story. But there are some really dark humor moments yeah. in this movie. Um, what what were some that stuck or what was one that stuck out to you, Thor? Was there anything that you just was there any like actual laughs in this movie for you? I had one time where I legitimately laughed. At oh, life. yeah. A, a number of times. Yeah. Um, a lot of it and most of it is Colin Farrell because he's hysterical. The, I His can't, timing. I can't imagine how difficult it is to get everything right to make this right. Because one, the way they play it is so serious. But it's almost his, like, he's not dumb, but he's, no. he's kind of dumb. And so he plays this character that's almost, like, so dumb he doesn't realize what's going on and that's where the humor comes from but it's played fully serious yeah and so it's it's almost it's not over the top it's not silly but his reactions to things and like the way that it's just not clicking with him like you guys aren't friends anymore you can't be friends anymore it's like he's too simple to realize it yeah and it's just not registering he plays it fully straight and it feels fully realistic but it's so funny <laughs> and how it is it's it, it's lovely to watch yeah so there's a specific scene that that jumps out to me where um people throughout the movie kind of hop on a boat and come over to the island from ireland and some of those people happen to be musicians and there are scenes where podrick goes into the pub and calm is playing violin with all these musicians and there's a scene where, huh. where he, he's riding his horse and buggy, 
and presumably he's going home, right? And there's a guy walking. And so uh, Podrick stops and he goes, hey, do you need a ride? And the guy says, sure. So he hops on and then he realizes that it's one of the violin players that was playing with him, playing with Calm in the bar. And he thinks, I'm going to get this guy out of here. He has this like weird sense of jealousy. Yeah. Because um, again, he's seeing his best friend play with all these uh, other people. And so he goes, oh yeah, they were looking for you. Uh, they just left note that your your daddy, he's about to die. And like, <laughs> I've never heard a grown man refer to his parents as daddy and mommy. Yeah, he just keeps referring to her as yeah. daddy and mommy. But he also referred to his parents as daddy and mommy when he was drunk, talking about how nice his parents were. He's like, yeah. my daddy was nice. My mommy was nice. So I don't know if that's an Irish thing. I don't know if that's a thing of the times. Um, but he's just like, oh, yeah, your daddy's going to die. And the guy stops. He looks at him. He's like, what? My daddy's going to die. What do you mean? He goes, oh, yeah, they, you know, trying to get you because he didn't. Don't want him to die all alone on his deathbed. <laughs> yeah. Well, first he says your mom's oh, might die. And he's like, right. my mom's already dead. And he's like, oh, it must have been your dad. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's like, well, what happened? And he goes, oh, he was hit by a bread truck. <laughs> he's like, what? It can't be. And he goes, oh, yeah, it happens all the time. People get hit with bread trucks. Die. It's like, I know. That's how my mommy died. <laughs> and he's like, if it's the same bread truck, I'm going to kill him. I tell you, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> dude, oh, dude, so funny. I think th- that just made me, I don't know. It was so unexpected. <laughs> for, for that, I just thought it was the freaking hilarious. Like the died. most. It's like, that's why my mom died. <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, and there's another character. I think the other character you wanted to discuss, because actually one scene that I really loved is Calm and the Priest yeah. in Confession. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What a hysterical scene that was. So he's doing Confession, and essentially he says, the priest asks him, have you had any impure thoughts? Yeah. And he's like, no. And he's like, there's nothing but men around here. And he goes to Colm, he goes, well, it's not unheard of for men to have impure thoughts about other men. Yeah, I think he, and, asks, he asks him if he's having impure thoughts of uh, of Podrick, and oh, maybe that's yeah. why he's not talking. That's to him. why he's not talking. To him. Yeah, and Colm gets offended by that, and he's like, he's like, no, uh, are you? Do you have impure thoughts about men? And the priest gets pissed off. And this is such a funny thing. The priest is like, gets pissed off. He's like, get out of here. And I'm not forgiving you your sins until next week. <laughs> it's like, like, it's like that concept of this priest holding his salvation over him. Like, yeah, you talk, dare talk to me. I'm a man of the cloth. Get out of here. Your sins aren't forgiven till next week. Yeah. And Brendan Gleason goes, well, I better not die in the next week. <laughs> Dude, that that and once again that's not like a outrageously funny scene but inherently that concept oh of like gosh. the priest holding his salvation yeah. over his head being that petty out, out of the out of this world like yeah, yeah. and when brendan gleason's character leaves the confession booth the priest opens the door and is just cursing him out as he's doing that and then you just see him turn, and you don't see who he's talking to, but you see that he sees somebody who's waiting to come in, and he just scowling nods to bring him come in. Come on in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. So many scenes like that just yeah, understated, just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, there was another scene that I, I actually chuckled at quite a bit 
because it was when Podrick was in the shop and the police officer was right next to him. The police officer was giving his news and he talks. I, I forget what the story was specifically, but it was about some uh, woman doing something awful. And he's like, this woman, She. Uh, he names her and he's like, going off doing this type of thing. And then he turns to this the old elderly woman and he's like obviously protestant and then turns <laughs> <back> <laughs> yeah and just continues the story yeah what did you think about the old lady which one the one the I mean, shopkeeper or the like weird the weird mrs one. mc mccart mick something something like that yeah. mick irish fucking yeah. <laughs> interesting character she's like this soothsayer and she's she gives podrick a warning like somebody will die within the next week yeah so the i was looking up some some stuff as to like the title of the film it comes from in part uh that's what he that's what calm decides to name his song is the banshees of inishirin yes or, or inishirin um but a banshee basically wails and uh, casts doom upon people like um, mythologic based wise yeah and the a lot of the reviews that I was looking through basically were making note that that old woman was essentially playing the role of a banshee in Irish folklore yeah because very she, much so she sees Podrick and she's like there will be two deaths by the end of the week and those deaths end up happening Yep, it's the miniature donkey and Dominic. Yeah. Dominic kills himself. Because also when uh, Siobhan is leaving, Podrick is standing on top of this high cliff above the sea. Mm-hmm. And they're waving to each other. And then you have this moment where out of focus behind him, essentially like next to him, you see a figure, which you assume and what Siobhan assumes is Colm. Mm-hmm. come to like push him off or something but nope podrick just goes home that's when he finds the miniature pony yeah so you don't find out till later the person that was standing next to him was dominic yeah about to throw himself off the cliff yeah it was this turn and i'm assuming my assumption is because siobhan was leaving he, it, he knows that his life is miserable yeah his dad because also it comes out that his dad was touching him and fond- he says his dad was fondling him. Yeah. His dad's a real bad guy. Yeah. Absolutely and so horrible person. He's dealing with that, beats him with a tea kettle. Yeah. Horrible, horrible him, per- person. And then he finally confessed to the one woman on the goddamn <laughs> island who was in a 90 year old banshee. Yeah. That, uh, you know, he would like to marry her or be with her. She says no and ends up leaving. And <laughs> she's like no and i'm leaving now (laughs) yeah so he's like okay i'm just throwing myself off this cliff he has a little bit of a confrontation with uh podrick as well oh yeah because when podrick starts to become more assertive and a little bit meaner dominic doesn't like that he does not yeah he because he tells dominic what he did to that guy telling him about his dad or yeah his dad got hit by a bread truck Yeah. yeah and and dominic's like i guess you're not so nice after all are you yeah and just leaves him that that might be the last time they interact yeah definitely is yeah (sighs) so anyway we are we're about at that time 
we're about at that time to uh, to throw some ratings out here. All right. And Thor, what are your what were your parting thoughts? What's the uh, the parting glass, if you will? I think this is a beautiful movie. It is a sad movie. Yeah, it is. It sad. is a hilarious movie. But I mean, it's exactly what I want from Martin McDonough. Uh, we didn't touch enough. I love the music. Like, like it's yeah. this, it's this mixture of classical and like Irish folk music. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of banjo and violin. Just I, I as soon as the movie opened that intro, as soon as it opens, it opens on this weird kind of light Irish folky tune. Yeah, I love the soundtrack. It, the movie just looks beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It, it, like, I mean, like the where they filmed the island they filmed on is just picturesque. Yeah, the landscape's great, for sure. Obviously, I didn't live through the 1920s, but it all felt, it felt right. It felt what I what I would assume a Irish village on an island in the 1920s. That's what it looked like. It felt worse than life now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, all the acting is so just so believable so all-star cast yeah truly there's not a performance where i thought oh that seemed kind of cheesy or they don't seem well directed there every single part just felt intentional and well done i would agree yeah i think it's pretty good so um i mean one out of ten chopped fingers what do you think well and here's i'm trying because I watched it, and I had really, really high hopes for, like, loving it. Okay. And I don't know if I set myself up for failure. I didn't like it as much as I liked In Bruges. I don't think that honest. I did either. Yeah. I did like it. But for me, I think this may be one of those... I don't think I will ever watch this again. Oh, yeah? Maybe I will. It'll be a long time, though. Um, my cr- I do have some criticisms of it. I think it's just... It's slow. It is, it is very slow, and it's intentional. It's a dialogue-driven uh, kind of slow burn. Mm-hmm. It was very, I, I'm hard, it's hard to pick. I don't know why. I honestly can't say a reason. I just Something about this movie just didn't grab me as much as I thought it would. It, it was more depressing than I thought it was going to be. Could be. I that was de- a big part I like depressing, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind it either, but um, the, the comedy was much... More, there was much more comedy in in Bruges for sure, right? And yeah. so and intent, like kind of, you could see like intentional as opposed to like, yeah. understated. The situation's funny, yeah. And um, I think that maybe maybe me going into it with thinking it's the same group, it's going to be the same type of movie. It's not the same type of movie. No, it's not. This is a big departure from in Bruges. Yeah, I I don't know what other work he has done. He I, did um. The three billboards on, I forget what the whole title of it is, but it's like three billboards in something, something Missouri, I think. Okay. Um, which is a pretty solid movie. That's got Frances McDormand in it. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. Um, but basically, Frances McDormand plays a mom, and I think that his, her daughter was, I, I think that she was raped and killed. Okay. And... The police had not figured out who the person was or the who, who the culprit was for months. And so she decides she's going to put public opinion into the poll. 
Uh, so she rents out three billboards and says this per like she names her daughter was raped and murdered. And then the next billboard, like in this long stretch of road is, um, the police department has yet to find a single suspect goes to the next one. And it's like more, it's basically calling out the whole police system. Okay. Is this based on a true story? No. Or, oh God. No, but it's a pretty solid film. Interesting. And that's basically neat. Francis McDormand not taking any shit from anybody. Cool. She's just an angry mom. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. So it's but, got a little bit of dark comedy in it too. I mean, it, it feels very similar to Banshees or to In Bruges. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't quite put my finger on it um, as to why I just don't love this movie. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know if I'll watch it again, or if I do, it certainly won't be soon. I, I think if I had to go numeric value, as a finite single piece of art, I think it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I think it's an incredible movie. But for me personally, compared to where I've ranked other movies and how I feel about other, I'm going to go 7 out of 10. That's what I was thinking too. 7. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be able to play the banjo or the violin after watching it. <laughs> but... <laughs> but um, but I would agree with you. It, and, and do you have an idea? Why, like, I genuinely, I can't put my finger on why. Like, because I liked everything about it. I loved watching it. But yeah. I didn't love it overall. It's just a different type of movie, I think. I, uh, I love slow burn character dramas. Mm-hmm. I love them. Me too. But yeah. I'm not in the mood to watch them all the time. And there's something about a good comedy film that if you're hanging out with a bud and you're like, oh, you haven't seen In Bruges? We're putting that on. Or, or you know, whatever, insert comedy movie here type of thing. But I think that with a slow burn like this, you have to be in a more particular mindset to sit down and want to watch it. Yeah. So that's, at least from my point of view, that's kind of where I'm coming from sure. with it. So it's, um, it's a little bit more niche, I think, in its audience and who it's trying to appeal to. Um, For sure. Yeah. But it's uh, I would agree with you 100%. It's still very very good. Yeah. It's so well done. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just it's one of those I think if I was a critic and I was just rating it for somebody as far as filmmaking, it's probably higher. It's probably like a 9. It was nominated I, I think for a, I, I it think was, it's incredible. Yeah, it was nominated for a bunch of awards. I believe it. Yeah. Um, but pe- so so my rating I would say is just for me personally. Yeah. Just for me personally, where I would rank it compared to other movies, I would go seven. But I, I don't genuinely have anything I didn't like about it. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right for me, too. Yeah. Sums it up. So, Get Wrecked rates Banshees of Inishirin, Inishirin seven out of ten. Fingers getting chopped off to play the violin. <laughs> Um, what do you guys think? Uh, have you seen this? You probably should. You really should. This is a pretty solid film. Um, there's not very many negative things that I can say. In fact, I don't know if I said a negative thing about this film. You didn't. Um, it's, it's solid. Um, you do need to come into it with a mindset of, of we're going to watch this movie and we're going to need to pay attention because if not, you're not going to understand what's happening. (laughs) Yeah. And be ready to be sad for like two hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But in a good way. But also laugh, but also happy. You're going to swing back and forth like a pendulum. You will. You will for sure. So uh, I'm really curious. We've got a couple of people in Boston that that listen to 
listen to the show. Boston. I went there a lot. Oh, in Boston, eh? I, yeah, I went there a lot. In, I uh, suck at accents, but I'm just going to keep a, doing that all That was a great oh, Boston Oh, up accent. in Boston. Up in... <laughs> um, so when we... We used to go to PAX East a lot in, in Boston, and it's a big video game convention. Mm-hmm. And I remember one year we, we, we got there, and there's... <laughs> There's a freaking we're we're talking about how uh, But then you did that that guy asked you to take like a suitcase to like that race and then you haven't been back since, right? Right, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so so um we we went in and we were at in the car in the cuz we always drove there. We were talking about what what is it about and maybe Boston, you know what? Let us know. Um, what's your weird infatuation with the word wicked and throwing that in front of everything? Because um, we were just talking like they love throwing wicked in front of everything. Things are wicked good. And it's just a fun word to yeah, say. Yeah, it, it is fun. It, I mean, we were saying it all the time. When in Boston, say wicked. Um, so we, we got there and there's some like play. I, I don't know if there's a Broadway equivalent or if it's called Broadway in Boston, but it's called Wicked Good Tuna. <laughs> that's what was playing <laughs> oh i thought i thought you were just gonna say wicked oh no wicked good tuna <laughs> that's what it was wicked good tuna and we talked to um one of the waitresses in the hotel restaurant and i asked her that question i'm like why do you guys say wicked all the time and she's like we don't say wicked i'm like there's literally a sign that says wicked good tuna as we walked in here she stormed off she was not very happy with me um one of my favorite interactions with another Boston guy, we would always Yeah, walk. you basically went to India and said, <laughs> why you guys got weird smelling food? I meant it in a good way, though, because I was just curious. I was just curious. I'll ask a question. I'm not afraid to ask a question. <laughs> I know. And so, and so uh, at PAX, we wouldn't eat at PAX because it's super, super expensive to eat there. So we would walk to the train station. It was about a 15-minute walk. And they would always have a food court there. There was a place that sold gourmet popcorn. And crew, I don't know if you know this about me. I feckin' love popcorn. Feckin' loves it. Feckin' love it. Um, so I was like, that's what I'm eating today. I'm eating popcorn. So I go over to this popcorn. Not real food. I'm going to eat popcorn today. Uh, so we go over. I get popcorn. And he goes, hey, what kind of popcorn you want? And I'm like, oh, man. I'm looking at the, at the flavors. And there's one called Better Butter Popcorn. So I go... I want the better butter popcorn. I think that that sounds good. And he goes, better butter popcorn? All right, I'll get you one. And he turns around and he goes, hey, we need one better butter popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> and just gave me it. one of my favorite interactions ever. So anyway, Boston, what do you think of Banshees of Inishirin? Get a hold of us. Send us an email. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Uh, Thor, how do we spell it? We're Get Wrecked Podcast. That's G I T. R-E-C-D. Get wrecked. Yeah. So next week, kind of been mulling over what we're going to get into. And yeah, it's uh, back on you. Back on me. Yeah, it's been a little bit since I've had a recommendation here. Um, I think that we need to get into some martial arts flicks. Okay. We started this off with a South Korean flick called The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. Yeah. And that had a little bit of martial arts in it, but it was more like gun shootout type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I want some. Then we also had Black Dynamite. We did get into Black Dynamite. That's right. He's really good at Kung Fu. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to watch, I want you to watch one of the best Donnie Yen movies ever. It's called Ip Man. Oh, I have seen it. You've seen it? 
I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. If that's the case, have you seen um have you seen Forbidden Kingdom with Jackie Chan and Jet Li? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. All right. All right. No, no, no. Don't worry. Have you seen <laughs> Before we recorded, you were like uh do you know who Donnie Yen is? And I'm like, yeah, he's a Kung Fu guy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you, are you familiar with his work? And I'm like, I don't think so. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm really not that familiar. I didn't realize like, Damn it, uh, okay. Yeah. Actually I've seen a lot of Danny Yen. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. In that case, have you seen enter the dragon? Like the Bruce Lee movie? Enter yeah. the dragon. No, that's what we're getting into. We're watching Dude, enter the dragon. My dad is going to be fucking jazzed. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's he was a teenager in the seventies, dude. He it, fucking loves Bruce Lee. I fucking love Bruce Lee. Love Bruce Lee. Oh my gosh! And this is his best movie. I like Liu Kang. Practically the same person. <laughs> <laughs> Practically the same person. Um, yeah. So we're gonna get into Enter the Dragon. I don't know if that's streaming anywhere. I'm sure that you can find it somewhere. It's a very old movie. It's like from the 1970s. So we're going to get into Enter the Dragon. It was Bruce Lee's last film that he finished. Okay. So there was another one that he was in, but he did not get to finish. It was called Game of Death. So that was released after his death, where he fought Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> God, he should have died before he started filming that. <laughs> well, I mean, because Bruce Lee was teaching a whole bunch of people. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar taught or, or uh, got lessons from Bruce Lee. And so with Game of Death, um, that was basically, you know, the tower matches in Mortal Kombat? Yeah. Where you just fight a guy and then you go to the next level, yeah. fight a guy. That's all Game of Death was. Bruce Lee's just going up a tower, fighting dudes. Very it's just cool. a one-on-one <laughs> fight, every single one. And the very, very top fight was against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, okay. And it's it's a really cool fight because Kareem Abdul Jabbar is seven feet tall. He's a giant, <laughs> yeah. right? This giant basketball player, and Bruce Lee, I'm pretty sure, was five eight. Not a very big guy, so the size difference was crazy. But um, but we're not watching that. We're gonna watch Enter the Dragon. All so, right, excellent. Yep. So next week, Enter the Dragon. Um, I hope that you guys you guys should find it somewhere. You can find it somewhere. I believe in you. I believe in you, crew. Um, until next time. As always, you get wrecked. Stay wrecked. Yep. And uh, just fucking cut it. Just yeah, fucking yeah. cut it. Yeah, yeah. Fact, fact, fact. fact.